call your clones. We're having a dance party. This episode, we take one more turn with Kirby Superstar. Welcome to One More Turn, a classic gaming podcast where we will never break your combos. Out of respect. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, we're playing Kirby Superstar in the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to talk about this for a second because I I have a kind of a conflicted relationship with Nintendo currently. Kirby was absolutely my favorite character, my favorite series of games growing up. I wanted everything Kirby. I have been throwing around this Kirby plush doll in front of my webcam through the recording of this so far and in our pre-gaming. So, but at the same time though, I feel like I feel like a little played out. Well, let's let's start with why you gravitated to Kirby in the first place. What was it about the little puffball that that so Cuz he's goofy as hell. Right. I'm like to be honest here, it's you know, what I growing up it's like what would I rather play as? Would I want to play as like this guy with a with a freaky mustache? Or do I want to play as weird-looking hedgehog or, you know, with an attitude? Or do I want to play as something that is just like this unbridled ball of joy who dances at the end of every level? Heck <laughs> with just like, sliding out a flagpole and being like, yep, guess I'm just done here, never coming back. But instead well, it's just you know, he invites Mario over flip, his buddies. Mario flips his hat now, you know. He does a little hat trick at the end of levels. He high-fives oh, wow. Luigi. It took him like 15, 15 years of innovation <laughs> right. just to do a hat trick. Yeah, you know, he flips it. He flips it. Yeah, I guess he gave a little peace sign at the Super Mario right. World. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, who doesn't like who doesn't like peace? So, so what is it about him now then? I mean, it sounds like you said conflicted. So you started off really loving this character. Isn't that just childhood? I mean, isn't that just growing up with something you kind of just love it as a kid? Or, or did what happened? I mean, what happened since you were a kid to now that made you change your opinion? So in a way, I think it's that I, I know it's that we both changed. We both changed, but kind of went in different directions, much like a lot of maybe my childhood friends in a way. Which, if you're listening, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you so, in a while. So, so, so Kirby was like, you were in the punk. You you stayed in the punk rock, and Kirby was like so into ska. He just couldn't get rid of his ska stuff. And you guys just or like we're ways. both into ska, and then we both realize that oh, we're adults now, and then we go in different directions. We're like. I go into Motown, and he goes into indie rock. Mm-hmm. And that's our identity, because we're only allowed to listen to one kind of music. All right, well, I'm curious. So, like, what? Like, I mean, are we talking, was it Superstar that was that split? Where, where did you start seeing the split? Well, actually, so the, the split was actually really easy, because it, uh, it, was really, it was really the systems. I did not, I kind of stopped Nintendo systems at Super Nintendo. Mm. Like, I had a Game Boy, I had a Super Nintendo. Didn't make the jump into 64 or, uh, what was it, Game, uh, Game Boy Advance. So, generally, like, that's, that's where it's, that's where it stopped. Mm. And, which is, which is interesting because, like, like, the SNES Kirby games, those were all over the place. Yeah. Superstar was, it was, like, the first platformer on the Super Nintendo, but it was still, like, the third Kirby game to come out. There was a, there was Kirby's Avalanche, which was, uh, was it Poyo Poyo Fever, Poyo Poyo Pop, It was and Mean Bean Machine, mm-hmm. which is still the best game to lose a lot of friends to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Dream Course, because let's, let's give, let's give Kirby a golf game where he is the ball. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, they were doing a lot of crazy stuff with the character at the time that wasn't just a pinball game, although there was a pinball right, game. Right. 
but it kind of went all over the place, and I was really all I was all about that. I was going to buy everything that Kirby was on, but now I feel like I felt this way about a lot of Nintendo about a lot of the Nintendo franchises where I. I don't want to play a Mario. I don't want to play like a Mario platformer anymore. I don't want to play just another version of Legend of Zelda or I, I don't know. I'm I'm a I grew up with all those uh, with Metroid and Mario and Zelda, and I still get a really good kick out of them. I've kind of you know the new Super Mario Brothers. I'm not. I never really get excited about those because those are just rehashes of better you know previous games that were a lot better, like Super Mario World and Super Mario Three. Uh, but some of the other stuff, when they switch it up, you know, when it goes to, you know, when Mario goes to Tropico or when, <laughs> when he, you know, well, that wasn't a very good game. But, like, Mario 64 was very good at the time. It's kind of dated now. Ocarina of Time for Zelda is another one of those ones where, where they switched they switched how the game was. It's almost, in my opinion, not really the same game or franchise in that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always like Nintendo. I always am curious to see, even when they do some of their 2D stuff, I'm just curious to check it out uh, because they're mm-hmm. usually a company that tries to keep things fairly innovative, even within their own constraints of their of the game. You know, like New Super Mario Brothers, not that much different than Super Mario Brothers, but they do different stuff like, you know, now Mario fills up the entire screen if you get a certain power-up, or now he's mm-hmm. mini Mario and he cruises across the water. Or how many other animal costumes can we fit him into? <laughs> well, the new the the 3D world's coming out. I'm kind of excited about that because he's in a cat suit, and I have you know who doesn't love cats? Where <laughs> oh, I see it. Oh, oh, that kind of cat suit. Here I am thinking that he's going to be like looking like an old time like cat like Pam Greer. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, and and he uh, and they make jokes now about the Mario franchise. They're very self referential. In their new design. So like the cat suit, you get to the pole and the cat climbs up to the top of the pole. You don't have to actually jump to the top of the pole. But I don't know. I've always, I tend to be someone who's a Nintendo defender. I am one, I'm the guy on the forum that's like, hey guys, Nintendo's fine. Uh, you know, Nintendo's great. Why are we knocking them down so much? They're a good company. You know, they're, they're, they're one of the few that doesn't seem to try to hire and fire all their good designers when they're when there's a downturn in buying of their of their software like now (laughs) yeah like right now (laughs) Um, right i mean honestly like they're you know they are they've been such a big player and such a big uh influence on you know on gaming as a culture which you know i feel even i feel like it's it's obvious even just saying that Mm. i i almost feel like i think my even just my relationship, at least with their products, it's kind of similar to like a moment that I had in which I was no longer kind of interested in going to see like summer blockbuster films where I'm just like, you know what? I, I, I just don't think I'm part of the intended audience anymore. Yeah. And I think I just kind of have to accept that where it's, it's, I'm no longer interested in playing even just like a slight, like a slight variation on something that I, that I've got, you know, that I have I would, already. I give them a, a look again because they are. You know they are the the Disney of the gaming world. They they are always going to present something of quality, even if it's a little bit of a rehash. And once in a while, they're gonna bring on Pixar and surprise you with something. I don't know. I I, I find them innovative. I I like whenever they try something new. The Wii the Wii as much as people gripe about it. It has the the controller thing was had some really cool ideas. Galaxy was great. I loved Super Mario Galaxy. I thought it was a great fresh platformer. 
I don't know. I, I would give them another go. I love my Wii U. I just bought one. I love it. It makes everything better to me. Well, I think I'm I'm perfectly okay just accepting that like I know I'm not really part of the target audience anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's more for like their games almost seem a bit more like board games, not in the mechanics, but in terms of kind of the social interactions there within, mm-hmm. where it's more about getting people together. You know, whether it's it's physically like on your in your room in your cat like on your couch, or if it's via internet, which actually I've been pretty impressed with uh, in the steps that they've been taking uh, in terms of in terms of their networking and the like. Because for the longest time, Nintendo just did not understand how the internet. Works. Right. <laughs> right. But now, like, there's actually now there actually are like you know there's decent uh, decent like networking and like, grouping in within like Mario Kart or like the new Pokemon is is pretty big that way. Although again, that's kind of produced. That's not. It's not Nintendo design, but whatever. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it, it's more of it, it's like a it's more of just kind of like just sitting like kind of sitting around and having a good time with friends. And, and I think that's what there they is want. there is a definite place for that. I think that's what they want ultimately. I don't think they want to be Microsoft and try to create Halo Five or whatever or whatever the version sure. of Next- Watch Dogs Eight. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I think they were, are. Their goal is basically what is the what is the mechanic we've created and what is the most fun way we can use utilize that mechanic in a game. That's, I think that's ultimately what they come down to. I think they, yeah, a lot of the story stuff gets left to the cutting room table. They're not good with narratives and a lot of their stuff. Uh, but I don't mind. It's, I, I, well, Zelda's the exception. Zelda's usually a decent name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't mind it. It's, it's, it's light. It's fun. Not every Disney cartoon or movie is, is heavy, but once in a while, Wally slips in there. And you get something of higher quality that's a little elevated. Sure, sure. The Pixar version of a racer head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, we'll be uh we'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, a show where we never met a night we didn't like. I'm Jim. Oh, goodness. And I'm Kevin. That was a gnarly pun. <laughs> this week, on that note, we're playing Kirby Superstar for Super Nintendo, developed by HAL Laboratory. Uh, Kirby came out in 96. HAL was an independent company that was basically bought out by Nintendo around 99 or 2000. Uh, but the reason they're called HAL is... H-A-L is one letter in front of IBM. So, a little fun fact for your friends there. Wasn't that kind of why it was, why the one in, in 2001 Space Odyssey was as well? Yeah, it's just coincidentally. Producer of this game was, oh god, I'm a terrible Japanese game. Satoru Iwata. Satoru Iwata uh, produced it. Now he's the president of Nintendo. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto also produced. Uh, but the director, the main driving force of everything Kirby, is uh, Masahiro... Sakurai. That sound right? Hey, you're getting better. <laughs> okay. And All that Rosetta Stone is paying off. Yeah. He he's he's the creator of Kirby. He directed basically every Kirby game, um, with the exception of Kirby sixty four, which everybody disliked. It's kinda like the worst one in the series. Although he did the it's voice of one. King DDD in that one. He <laughs> oddly enough. But he's also known for such acclaimed titles as Meteos. Everyone loved Meteos on DS. I loved it. Oh, okay. Super Smash Brothers. He's the director and driving force of Super Smash Brothers. 
uh, which is he's the one. So he's the one that all the fans dislike. He's uh, he's the driving force behind Smash Brothers. He did the recent Kid Icarus Uprising on 3DS. I feel like with Kirby and with Hal, Kirby is like the most lovable, funny. There's a lot of humor and game references and other references in this. They have it's one of the few Nintendo series I think that kind of that kind of just allows itself to be dumb and, and and silly and completely silly in every in every aspect. Right. It it almost seemed like the more experimental uh, section yeah. of of kind of the Nintendo series. I mean, obviously, like you know, Mario and Legend of Zelda certainly made made their splashes in one way or another. Um, but you know, with Kirby, it just seemed like they would just if they had any ideas with it, it's just like we're just we're just going to throw this out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's what's the worst that could happen? I mean, honestly, if you think about like like Kirby one. Like, Kirby 1 was one of the first Nintendo games I ever owned. Like, one of the first video games I ever owned. Something about it just drew me to, oh, here I am as a little pink blob, and I need to strictly inhale these guys into my mouth and then spit them out at other enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is even before, like, the era of powers and all that, but just that idea of just, we're going to put, see that enemy over there? I'm going to put that in my mouth for a little while. <laughs> you don't have to kill and I'm gonna, him. Like, you have get to all swallow big and, him. Yeah. And and this one, you mentioned the experimental. I mean, this one basically, I don't want to say invented the mini game, the video game, mini game game, if that's, <laughs> that's mixed. It's a lot of games in that sentence. You know, this Superstar was eight games in one is how they build it. Uh, it's actually, I think it's actually nine, but, you know, give or take a game. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, we can, we don't have, Kirby can't count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they, especially, it's also interesting because some of those were, were actually, the very first one that's in there, was it Spring Breeze? Mm-hmm. That is Kirby 1. Right. Like, that is a Super Nintendo version of Kirby 1. So like, there you go, that is a full game right there. Yeah. yeah, and that's the kind of crazy thing about this, is that each of these eight mini games, and, and I have a list here, I'll read them off real fast. The original yeah. ones, right? We're not talking the DS ones yet? Yeah, just the original, this is, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to Ultra yet. Uh so yeah, Spring Breeze, Dino Blade, Revenge of Meta Knight. They're kind of all connected. Then there's Gourmet Race, Great Cave Offensive, Milky Way Wishes. Then there's these two kind of versus mini games called Megaton Punch and Samurai Kirby. You know, the first three I mentioned, Sea Breeze, Dino, and, and Reven- uh, uh, Revenge of Meta Knight, all similar, all, almost all kind of one story kind of <laughs> uh, or at least one sort of narrative I mean, loosely yeah. those are like those are the traditional those are like traditional Kirby games yeah unlike a lot of mini games we'll play today or in these mini game collections today the move set is completely the same across all eight games you play well I'm sorry sort of six of the yeah, eight I mean, games loosely yes yeah, yeah, six of the eight games but they're all they all utilize a different aspect of the controls or, or, or a different ability that you have. It comes to the forefront. So, like your ability to run fast and eat is in the in the in the race level. Your mm-hmm. ability to have partners and buddy up is the Revenge of Meta Knight level. Right, right. Great Cave Offensive was was more puzzle was a lot of puzzle solving. Yeah, it's more puzzle solving. So it's it's this it's the exact same skill set you have in every single one of these mini games, but they're just utilized in different ways, or certain ones are more, certain skills you have are more effective or used more often, depending on which of these games you're playing. Right, right. It's actually, it's interesting because uh, you saw a lot of, of what was in Kirby Superstar, actually, uh, with Kirby's Adventure on the NES, mm-hmm. because uh, at Kirby's Adventure, that was that was like a, a big, like that was actually was a huge game, mm-hmm. huge game on the NES. Um, that really kind of expanded out like the power usage 
that was introduced in Kirby's Dreamland 2. Um, but also had in a lot of like these little mini games as well. So like actually, like Samurai Kirby, that was actually that was in Kirby's Adventure, just it was done with a more cowboy theme to it. I don't think there's anything quite like Megaton Punch, but there was like other other mini games in there as as well. well. Let's let's do that. Well, let's go through each one of these. Well, maybe let's handle some of these side ones uh-huh. before you want to get into the so, main one. Sort of. So like, well, because the game kind of introduces itself um, at least with like Spring Breeze is there as the introduction to Kirby as like the if this is your first Kirby game before. Actually, it's interesting because I think all of the games begin with a is this your first time playing? I gotta be honest. This was my first time. I, I actually never played a lot of Kirby growing up, so this probably was one of the first ones I played pretty much all the way through. Yeah, where it, but it said it's the equivalent of, of going to like an Outback Steakhouse or like an Olive Garden, <laughs> and you're waiting to be like, is this your first time being here at the Olive Garden? Because I have a lot of secrets I need to tell you about this. You know, it's like, it's it's Kirby, dude. There's not a lot. There's not a lot here. Right, right. I, I would you think eat a guy, I would and think sometimes like the you Olive Garden would be like the first, they'd be like, is this your first time eating Italian? exactly right is this your first experience with food before yeah (laughs) if you can call it that um so and so like it it really it it gets you started on spring breeze and then kind of brings you into dynablade which again like dynablade is 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 more uh is is greatly is more power centric in that there it kind of that is the introduction to like hey we're going to give you a bit more flexibility to use your powers here i think let's back up let's talk about these powers here so, uh, for those who don't know, maybe have never played Kirby, the basic setup is, yeah, you, for this one at least, as Jim said, you suck up an enemy, but in this one you have the ability to absorb their power when you suck them up, and then create a second player. Yes, first time ever. And the second player is a drop-in, drop-out scenario, so you can have your, if your friend is playing, they can drop in and be that second player. Uh, if not, the computer controls it. So what you have, you can have basically two powers going at the same time. Like, say, bombing ability, like the ability to throw bombs. And you have, as Kirby, the ability to maybe cutter. Like, you throw knives or swords. You have a sword attack. Right, right. Well, cutter and sword is different, which is has always been a little contentious for me. But it's it's interesting, because I think this was also the first, Im- the first version in which uh, your abilities, in which the different abilities had, a, had an entirely different moveset. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, within past Kirby games that have had abilities, you pretty much only had one move that you could do. It was just, like, if you had a beam attack, you would just do this, like, 40... It's, like, maybe, like, 90-degree arc in front of you of a beam attack. Or, like, if you throw a bomb, it's just... You throw a bomb in one arc. Mm -hmm. And this one, there was actually, like, an entire list of moves. Like, four to six moves Mm -hmm. based on what ability you had. So, like, beam all of a sudden wasn't just this little arc, but it was also... If you you had a dash attack or this downward strike or this charge move as well. Yeah. Like, there was, there was much more versatility in everything that you were doing. Yeah, that's what I kind of noticed. My favorite was the ninja. I think it was the ninja. Maybe even wrestler. <laughs> yeah, nin- the ninja uh, where you're throwing knives. You can stick to walls. Yeah, you stick to walls. Or, like, he, every guy he you fight, you, you basically, like, catch them and then pounce on their head 20 times. <laughs> and then it would be, like, this funny little animation where Kirby's just dancing on some, some, poor, guy, some poor guy's head. Uh, Actually, that's that's suplex. Oh, uh, suplex. Which is honestly super suplex is, is one of my favorites, just because again the animations that are involved. And this, it's not just like throwing bombs willy nilly, which is sort of fun and, and kind of odd when you think about right. it. <laughs> right, and, and it's amazing how on these powers how many there are. Like it's not like Super Mario where it's just flower, you know, flower, raccoon leaf, frog suit. I mean, it's like a tanuki suit. Yeah, <laughs> tanuki suit. Which you know, some of them, some of those even overlap with this. There's like. I counted probably close to a dozen, at least. Maybe there was more. I believe it's about 20 to 22. Yeah. And, and each one is 
significantly different and significantly changes how you play each level. You have you can have a hammer. You can be a guy who just has a hammer. Some of the powers don't last forever. Like you only can use them three times, like the microphone one. Oh yeah, Mike. Uh, my favorite was the umbrella. I don't know why. Oh, the parasol. Excuse me. Excuse me. The parasol. That was my favorite. It seemed to be the most powerful weapon in the game. Oddly enough, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, because it's pretty good. It, it, it was, which was basically you hold an umbrella. Nothing can touch your. If anything tries to land on your head, it bounces off the parasol. And at the same time, you swing it, swing it in front of you like it's a you know baseball bat, and it makes a little beam. <laughs> yeah, shoots a little beam out in front, and you float with it too. You know, when you jump, you float. Yeah, there's. It's adorable. Yeah. It is the most adorable power in a game, in a series, in a franchise that is incredibly adorable. Yeah. Getting to uh, so going to Dynablade was like Dynablade was kind of served as a little bit of like a playground for these abilities, in which it started giving you scenarios in which you would get like bonuses if you had like here's a rope, here's a, like here's a rope that's here, and if you have like a cutter or sword, you could cut the rope and get all sorts of crazy prizes. Mm. Or, like, uh, you know, there'd be, like, a, a stump that you would have to hit with your hammer or, like, drop on it with a stone, and it would give you various prizes as well. As well as kind of, like, getting into, like, the new wave of bosses as well. That's where the story thing comes into me a little bit, is when on the, the end of the Dinoblade level, you have to fight that giant bird, Dinoblade. <laughs> yes, the titular Dinoblade. <laughs> and I didn't understand it, because after you beat it, all of a sudden you, like, go see all of Dinoblade's hatchlings, little babies... And then some reason Dino... I don't understand why Dino Blade is attacking you, I guess. Because after you beat Dino Blade, you go meet up with all its babies, and then all the babies fly away with Dino Blade. Right. I think it, I think it was that, like, Dino Blade was kind of terrorizing Pop, like, Dreamland or Popstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really just like a, oh, it was just trying to feed its babies. Which you kind of do by, like, putting the nest under Wispy Woods, and Wispy Woods is just like, what the fuck do you want me to do about this? <laughs> right, right. And Wispy Woods is an enemy, like, You know I occasionally he? drop a spiky guy on top of the, right? Like, yeah, Wispy Woods is an enemy in the first level. Anyway, so, yeah, it's kind yeah. of random. That, that, this is the narrative part comes back. So in the Return of Meta Knight, then you go seek Dynablade's help to help you take down Meta Knight's ship or whatever it is. But yeah, They had a Halbrid. They fucking shoot a cannon at him! <laughs> yeah, and they blow him up! Right, yeah, he like burns up in the background. You're like, oh, poor Dynablade. Revenge of Meta Knight is actually, like, this is one of like the most, in, like, this is, that was my favorite part of Superstar, mm-hmm. always has been, because, like, it is, it brings a new pace to Kirby. Like, it, it almost, it feels like it's an arcade game. Yeah. It is an arcade version well, of countdown. Kirby. Like, there's a countdown clock in it. I don't really yeah, like, there's a timer. The music is fast, and it is pounding. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it takes, like, kind of traditional Kirby soundtracks, and, like, really just speeds up the BPM on it a bit. And then just tells you, like, just go. Yeah. Go. Like, it, it's yeah. taking a little bit of, like, what you've learned from, like, Gourmet Race or, like, and Dynablade, and it's trying to combining it into, like, this kind of darker, like, this darker story. I mean, mm-hmm. Metal in general is kind of a weird character. Yeah, he's he's the he's in a world where everything is kind of lighthearted. He is kind mm-hmm. of the one serious element, like so serious that it's not even like sometimes you have a character that's so serious that it's funny. You know, like mm-hmm. he is not he is so serious that it's always serious. Like, there's no there's no right. lightheartedness to his character in any way. Right, and it's odd because like the Kirby series like occasionally does this from time to time that like traditionally like DDD is like the main villain except like you know he's cartoony he's like you know this big fat jolly guy with this huge hammer and he's like yeah it's kind of funny and all and then like occasionally like 
I know Kirby, I think Kirby's Dream Land 2 was this way. There was a secret last boss just called Dark Matter mm. that was like this all-consuming force that was out to just destroy the world. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, it just jumps into this thing where like, yeah. whoa, like, I was just playing for fun, guys. I'm back up. This is a serious game. <laughs> it's sort of like going back to uh, uh, Disney a little bit. It's sort of like Malficent or Mal- Mal- Malficent, I can't pronounce it, in Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. It's all of a sudden, it's like this kind of wicked uh, witch kind of character that just turns into a dragon, and it's like, holy cow, this is real snakes here now. Right, right. <laughs> this isn't just Jafar's a Jafar's a freaking snake. <laughs> right. And like, when you beat Revenge of Meta Knight, you knock off his mask, and it turns out, oh, it's just a Kirby underneath there. Mm-hmm. It's like a blue Kirby, kind of like, who kind of has like this this Lolo kind of lo- a little bit. No, he's like, he is a blue Kirby with just like a freaking sword. <laughs> And it kind of has, like, this ri- kind of rivalry aspect to it, where it's like, he's not a bad guy, but he's just Kirby's rival. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's every hero needs an antagonist, and if Kirby's the summation of silly and fun and lighthearted, his perfect antagonist would be someone who's serious, so serious that it's, it's not even funny, <laughs> you know, like, who, right. has, who is stout and angry and... and, and just a horror. He's the Mario 2 mask. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Wario, where Wario's like silly and stupid. The the best antagonist, or the polar opposite to Kirby, would be this Meta Knight character that is self-serious and and not humorous in any way. Right. He's like this alternate reality Kirby. <laughs> right. Right. Dark Kirby. Yeah. Like, even like this at the very ending of that, like, when you have to escape, when you have to escape from the halberd as it's blowing up. As he's like swooping down on you, delivering like sword attacks mm. and stuff, like that may like that's he's like one of the most intense scenes I had played in a game from like yeah. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, like that era for a very long time. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's funny because yeah, like you said, super intense. And yet Kirby, if you look at the little image of him in the right corner, it's like him on like a motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> looking like he's, he's like, like awesome, vroom, vroom. <laughs> like these wild hogs or you know something kind of dumb, silly. Like he is the least intimidating. A mockery of kind of like a hell's angel. We'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, an investigative journalism hotspot where we discover what dastardly motives caused Lolo and Lala to change their names and infiltrate Popstar. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. We can talk about Great Cave Offensive, although it, that one's kind of, as we kind of mentioned briefly, it's more of like a, a puzzle aspect of Kirby where you're trying to find these little treasures, mm-hmm. even though they're not, they're not a strong, they're not actually a component to beating the game. There's no actual, like, checkpoints anywhere where it's asking you, like, you need to, you need to have collected this many treasures right. or... I need to have accrued this much value, but just throughout the game, there's little treasure chests just spread out in different places that contain little items that are worth different values. It's basically like the other levels, except, yeah, now you're trying to find all the hidden stuff, which is, you know, kind of a commentary in some ways on a lot of Nintendo and Super Nintendo games that have these hidden treasures locked away somewhere, but they weren't necessary to actually beat anything. They were just there just for your amusement. This is 1996 here. I'm not necessarily sure that that was like a strong component there yet. It was just like, a here are kind of these cute things that we've just kind of spread out across the area that are references. I don't mean the 
treasures themselves, which are, yeah, I think that, I think it's like Mario's hat, and you find just like... Screw attack. Screw attack, yeah. But I mean the actual act itself, which, you know, wasn't a lot of Nintendo stuff, where there's the warp, the warp screen in Super Mario Brothers, you know, where it's just this hidden area or hidden item, DuckTales, a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of hidden stuff in there. Not necessarily to beat the game, but it's just an addition. Mm-hmm. So the that level is, in my opinion commentating on that aspect of video gaming at the time or platforming at the time. I don't necessarily buy that it's a commentary or or kind of a nod in any like in any way, Maybe but you're nod. right that like yeah. there are all these puzzles here, but none of them like none none of, none of them are necessary. Right. You can just run right past all of them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh so yeah, so yeah. you played the Milky Way. I didn't get a chance to get what was it called again? Okay. Milky Way Wishes. Milky Way Wishes is particularly unusual because it's... Well, so first of all, like it, it gives you kind of like this wide map where you get to pick, you know, which level you choose from, where it's just like this... It's this galaxy of, you know, you get Mr. Bright and Mr. Shine are kind of at their things again, kind of fighting with each other, as the sun and the moon tend to do. And uh, you pick planets that you visit. And so the key component of Milky Way Wishes is that you no longer gain powers by swallowing enemies anymore. Instead, you have to find these, I guess, little checkpoints, not checkpoints, but like these little um, power stations where if you find a power that's there, you now have access to that power at any given time that you can then switch between. So like either you can go to like a menu and pick which power you want, or you can on the fly like scroll through your powers so, at the same so, time. So like Mega Man. Yeah. Oh, actually, that, that's that's actually a very good comparison is that is that you can you know bring up a menu or just cycle through them to just okay like i i'm currently a bird and but now i want to switch to cutter for some reason so like you can then just immediately do that so long as you have already found those are they are they hidden those powers uh sometimes i mean usually they're not they're usually not that hard to find there's some of them some of them are hidden pretty well there's like a secret level on the map that you really don't see unless you're really looking for it it gives you the copy ability, which I don't... Copy is such a weird thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can already do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that in the end credits, and uh, I was like, copy ability? Isn't that what this entire game is? It's just copy ability? Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. When you say world map, again, I didn't get it. I didn't get to that level. I didn't finish the uh, item collection one, because I got bored. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of that's, that's how that one goes. The Great Cave Offensive is kind of the weak one. But is it like a world map in the way like Super Mario World is a world map, or is it a world map? No, in the it's way it's this it's this free flying it's this free flying like galaxy map where it's it's kind of it's very kind of low res. You just are like riding a little warp star and you just like fly it to whatever section you want to. As I said, like it's completely free form. Mm-hmm. There's no order in place. There's no paths to choose from. You just like go to a planet and you click on it and then. Chaos. Hit a button on it. Yeah, a little chaos. I like it. Sounds like Fallout Three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not really, because like, there's nothing actually going on when you're going between these places. Right. It's just like a you're just going from one to the other. It's it's actually it's it's considerably more difficult than most of the other uh, most of the other things there, and especially because you know if if you especially early when you don't have any powers, mm-hmm. then you're just like riding whatever your one power that you find for a while. Like, okay, well, I guess I'm just using plasma for a yeah. while. Yeah, and especially because I'm sure some of the levels that you fly to are probably set up to, for you to have already found a certain power. It's like, again... Usually like not. Me- it's, again, oh, no. Because, again, it's kind of yeah. like that Mega Man thing where you need a certain power-up 
in order to defeat a certain boss. It's not like that. It's it's where like the whole thing of Mega Man is it's open. You can play it in any order. But honestly, you can't play it in any order. You need right, there, well, there are preferred orders to take. Yeah. No, it's and in this one, there's it's not quite that bad. First of all, Kirby is not nearly as difficult a game as any Mega Man right, game. Right. But but generally, you can get through most of it. You, you probably get through with no powers. Okay. I have to double check on that. Oh, the last boss. The last boss would probably be rather difficult without powers. Right. But it, it's especially interesting because, like, so once you beat all the different levels, it's like you're trying to get to this this giant robot in the sky called Nova. And, like, Nova grants people wishes. And so Kirby, I think Kirby's going to wish that uh, Mr. Bright and Mr. Shine could just get along and that peace would be restored. But then this, like... This real dick just comes out of the woodwork, like, shoves Kirby aside. It's like this guy named Marks, who you've never seen before, and I honestly don't know if he ever appears again in any other Kirby game, who's just like, I want to be super powerful. And Nova's just like, okay, yeah, sure, that's 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 what I'm here for. And he's just like this weird jester-y looking guy. But so, it, you then kind of have to fly into Nova, and it starts this Gradius type of minigame, where you basically have to go through a couple of levels... In your little, like, star ship. Actually, it's a star. It's a ship that is also a star. And play this kind of Gradius, like, a series of Gradius levels, followed by, like, the heart of Nova, which is a Gradius boss. See, I knew Devil May Cry stole that ending from something. (laughs) Stole it from Kirby. (laughs) Right, right. Just the camera's at a different angle. See, all of a sudden you're playing Gradius, or... or... Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I, I still... I still cannot believe like they, they, they fit in just quite so many different place like playstyles in this game or like overall in Superstar within you know like your traditional Kirby, your like your arcade Kirby, your racing Kirby, your your shoot 'em up Kirby. Yeah, your like they uh, your really went like Kirby, they went all out in the this. Sa- the samurai yeah. run the samurai and the megaton ones like timing and like button timing. Yeah. Yeah, the arena mode, which is like survival Kirby. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because it's like I said, the other than these brief, uh, like the Gradius thing, these brief forays into other styles, which I think the Gradius one's the only one like that. You always have that same skill set, and that, this is what this game got did to me. Is it made me think about game design a lot and how designers sometimes limit themselves into designing the same type of level based on the powers that they've created for those characters. You know, and Mar- you know, Mara's a great example. It's the same, you know, you're running right, you're jumping, you're sliding sometimes. Power-ups don't change too much. But with Kirby, the skill set that they gave them, they gave you, they really do give you, like, six different styles of games, you know, in this one little thing. And mm-hmm. just wildly different, too. Wildly different in execution. Because it gives you, like, this this very wide set of, this, like, this, this very large toolbox and then just says, like, just grab any old thing and just see how that works. Just find something that you like. And especially now that they added that amount of depth in with each power as well. Mm-hmm. So that it wasn't just like, oh, there was one sword attack. But now there's actually, like, a whole slew of sword attacks now that you can perform. Is that it really gave... It said it gave... There was a, a bit more complexity to the series that was that has always been incredibly simple. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost in a way, like, if they had turned... If they had made, like, a Kirby Game Jam about this they're just like they're bringing in like different developers just like hey make a different Kirby. like let's just make a lot of kirby games send them in and let's package a bunch of them yeah i mean yeah i don't i mean it's kind of crazy it's, it's so frantic and it's so manic <laughs> this this game yeah it's it's 
I don't know. It's it's a testament to the the, to the creative designer, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that he pulled all of this out and just decided, like you said earlier, like let's just kitchen sink this thing. Let's just anything and everything is on the table. The point of this game is going to be you are always going to feel as a player like you don't know where you're at. You're always going to feel kind of off kilter, you know, off center. And we will, and the, and the designers want that, you know. It's it's perfect, you know. It feels it, it gives a, a level of. Uh, Feeling of spontaneity and, and, and energy to it, you know? Oh, oh certainly. And I think that's especially, it's especially true. Uh, we were kind of joking before about the, the screens that are like, oh, is this your first time playing blank? And usually like the very first one was like, is this, is this your first time ever playing Kirby? I'm like, well, if yes, then you, here's like a brief introduction. But then like there's, it, everything is different enough that it still gives you that choice of an introduction because like they're really – they're changing the rule set mm-hmm. uh, within, each, within each game that's there. And in a way like I – I almost I feel like that's that that's such a welcome thing that's such a welcome concept uh especially like let's be honest I would definitely I would buy like any Nintendo product that as I kind of mentioned before like that was basically like a collection of short games mm-hmm. run, like made by different des- like with different designers or like different leads in there as well so it's like a video game collection of short stories all kind of based around the same premise basically what i'm looking for is like the mario equivalent of machine of death <laughs> right well nintendo land came out but that's not the same that's more of like a game design play Uh-oh. that is like a game jam in some some regards right that, that's more like a mini like kind of just like a random mini game collection but i mean like specifically in terms of like here here's here's the theme that we're working on it's like we want we want like a platformer in the style of blank using blank as a main character here are the restrictions that you have now go yeah and maybe kirby's um, I, the only one that can do that in some regards you know it's because it's a character that can turn into anything. Essentially, maybe it's the only one that can kind of lean to that and or lean into a game like that. You know, mm-hmm. right? And that's and I guess that's certainly kind of what has drawn me to uh, to the series uh, to the character of Kirby in general is just kind of that ability to to really kind of mold himself into all of these different you know whether it's Kirby's Pinball Land or Kirby's Dream Course or he's a regular Madonna Jim he just reinvents himself every couple of years you know or is he brunette is he blonde is he is he into this some weird Japanese thing or is he into cowboys now I don't know he's just an iconoclast. <laughs> We'll be uh, we'll be right back on one more turn. Welcome back to One More Turn, a show that's for Game Genie but against Game Shark. I'm Jim. I'm Kevin. All right, Kevin. So, uh, so tell me, what have you been playing recently? Well, this week I took a took a shot with a game called Me and the Key Three, which is by Bart Bonte. This is, uh, me and, the, there's a series of these. This is called Me and the Key, and then Me and the Key 2, and then we're on 3 now. At first I thought, I didn't, I hadn't heard of it until this third edition. I thought Me and the Key 3 was some type of, you know, just fun with rhymes. It takes us, it's a free browser game, and the basic premise is, well, there is kind of no premise. There's just, usually there's a penguin on the screen, and you just start clicking on stuff until you, until at some point, the penguin stands up, or the penguin reveals a key, and then you click on the key, and you've passed the level. It is a game, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I'm, I hate, I have to, I, I might not be very long in my recommendation because the game is very much about discovering what the what the game mechanic is, 
So sometimes you're using, and it's always mouse-based, so sometimes you're using the mouse to drag something across the screen in order to reveal the key. Sometimes you are, you're trying to find the exact point on the screen you want the mouse to stop, and it'll create a certain alignment of all these penguins, and then you hit the button and then the key's revealed. But it's ultimately, it's basically a mini-game collection where each level's a new game, and the purpose of it is that there's no, well, there's no purpose. <laughs> You're just trying to find a key and get to the next level. And each each time, there's usually a, there's a penguin theme, a penguin theme with ice. Sometimes sharks are involved, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I thought it fit kind of what, good with this Kirby what, mold because it's, what kind of indication does it give you in terms of like what you act and what you in your objectives? Like what? How does it help you in any way? No, uh, it helps you one level. On one level, I played. It, it had arrow keys in the top right corner to indicate use the arrow keys on this level. But there's but there's no like like in previous recommendations that we've given like where there was like a name of a level that was also uh, that was also like a kind of opaque hint as well. Uh, there is on one level. Uh, one level, it's a bunch of penguins on ice blocks, and then beneath them are another set of ice blocks. And on those smaller ice blocks, uh, you can see the words of the title of the game. And then you kind of quickly figure out, oh, I'm supposed to push these penguins in a certain way so that it rearranges the words so that it's the title of the game normally. But there's, but there's no, like I said, it's every single level is different. A couple of them kind of repeat in style, but for the most part, no, there's no indication on what you're supposed to do. It is just like, sometimes you'll look at the screen and it's just like water and there's a penguin on the left side on an ice block, and then on the bottom of the screen there's five penguins, but all their their bodies are covered except for their eyes and their nose. And that's all they give you. And so you're just like, all right, well, I'm supposed to maybe push, you know, click over on this penguin and see what happens. And so one of them will pop up, but not all five. And when one of them pops up, maybe a second penguin a different, a second penguin pops up in the middle of the screen. You got, oh, I probably have to click him now. And then you start figuring out, you start like playing around with clicking on the screen and clicking certain items, how you progress and how you get to the next stage. Okay, so it's it's kind of like a sand, it's sort of like a sandbox game for your mouse? I wouldn't say sandbox. It's definitely, there's only one way to complete each level. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's like, it, it is a game that is, there's no, there's only one right answer to each level but how you figure out how to get to that answer is completely by trial and error okay so i i actually did just bring this game up as you were talking and i hit the play button and i'm looking at like the ocean with this penguin stranded on a piece of ice right and and you're right other than that there's like this iceberg in the background but there is no indication of what it is that that I'm to do. It's just this penguin blinking at me. Now, granted, my cursor, as I kind of move it around, it does eventually kind of turn into that, like, clickable finger, yeah. which I imagine at least some indication that I'm supposed to be doing something. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, let's let's click on this penguin. Oh, gosh, this penguin jumped up. And now, oh, there's another penguin. Yeah. So if I click... I keep oh my gosh there he is I, I clicked on the penguin a couple of times and then this other penguin appeared and he had a key but now there's two penguins oh my god oh god these pe- these three penguins are just like showing up yeah and w- the game is ultimately about they're in my face yeah I don't this is so bizarre where do, where do they get these keys what do they even do yeah <laughs> they do nothing that's the thing <gasps> you don't know even you don't even know there's there's an ending and it just ends it's a bunch of like 
Well, I don't want to spoil the ending, <laughs> but it is. Oh, it no. does involve dancing sharks. Okay, I was like, oh, you use all these keys in this great demonic portal to like summon the penguin god. <laughs> yeah, just a polar bear ravages this penguin land at the end. Oh no! It's <laughs> a sad ending. That's actually what you're doing. Is you're actually you need all these keys in order to like. You know, launch like the to launch like the ICBM at the polar bear. It opens a, a box to a radio, and when the penguin plays that radio, Morgan Freeman narrates their life. So oh. <laughs> that's the ending. <laughs> uh, so what about you, Jim? What what have you been playing this week or, or the last few weeks? Okay, so there was a game that I played from a, a while ago uh, called Eight Six Eight Five Six Five Two Seven. It was a freeware Jenny? game uh, on <laughs> Sorry. PC. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, it has recently been cleaned up and released on the iOS and it's now called Eight Six Eight Hack. It is a it's this strange roguelike resource simu- like resource management game that is that takes place in this cyber hacking fantasy verse. Uh-huh. In which you are this agent who is trying to go through and like collect data. Except at this, while you're doing so, there are you're you're under attack from all sorts of different cyber baddies, Crip like dog and hacker. Uh, yeah, like a virus, like a virus, and a, like there's virus. There's like a demon. There's a couple other different monster types in there, but everything in it is, of course, is randomly generated, and you play as this smiley face. Uh, that runs through this grid that you are presented with. Each each puzzle, each level is, I think, like an eight by eight, maybe ten by ten grid of spaces in which a pres- each space has like a dollar value and a, an energy value associated with it. Throughout and all, throughout it, there are these little blocks that are that act as walls that grant you. They can grant you like special abilities. Uh, they get you points. And what you need to do is you collect these. You collect like these da- you, these um, data mines, like these little data sinks, so like you can go in and accrue all of the data from your space and all your adjacent spaces, and collect whatever resources are there, whether it's cash, whether it's energy, whether it's a special ability. However, if it's a special ability or points, you will that will alert the defenses of the floor and will spawn a number of monsters, kind of equal to whatever it says on it. Throughout the thing, though, it's also randomly spawning monsters as well. How do you how do you fight back? As you move around, it's everything in it is as kind of a traditionally roguelike. It's turn based, so every time you make a move, all enemies make a move as well. Granted, they will all move towards you, but if you you cannot move toward an enemy, instead you shoot a laser, like you shoot this little stun laser at them. So, like for example, like if you have like if there's a demon three spaces to your left and you hit left, it shoots a laser at him, and each demon acts differently. So. Um, there's like demons take three hits. Uh, some take everyone else takes two hits, but like some of them can move through walls. Some of them move two spaces for every one space that you move. Some of them are invisible unless they are in direct line of sight for you. But as as I kind of mentioned that every time you move, all enemies move as well. Okay. So it's really about like trying to track the move patterns of where all these enemies are going to go, especially if you're trying to. Uh, hack an area to accrue like a big section of points, knowing that it will spawn a number of random monsters that you need to be prepared to fight. And then, so after you've hacked it and you're getting attacked, then what's kind of, is it just, like any roguelite, there's no end in sight? It just sort of goes <laughs> on forever? No, I think World there's there's end. ten floors, I believe. I have 
never come close to beating it because it's it's difficult. Oh, okay. It is a difficult game that is it's it's very simple. You just it just takes a little bit to kind of pick up the patterns and trying to identify like which powers you want to get because every time um, you only have a limited number of of data sinks that you can use. And you have to choose between either getting special powers or getting points. And so, you, like, early on, it's like, okay, well, better to try to get powers and then kind of work towards points. And then use those powers to try to help you later on when you're getting completely overrun by enemies. What's the benefit of just getting points? That's your score, I guess. <laughs> I'm asking because I'm not a player who gives it. I don't really care about point totals usually. Uh, unless it's, like, an arcade game. Mm-hmm. There's a leaderboard. Oh, okay, that's why. Okay, so, huh? So, so, okay, so that's it's bragging rights. So you get to the more points you have, assuming you, you sort of assume, oh, this person is either very good on their limited powers, or they are, you know, they powered up first and then blew through the game, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I and mean, that's that's sort of the purpose of the game is you're trying like the points kind of are are files. And you're trying to get, like, the most information that you can and then get out, as I mentioned before. I have yet to uh, to perform that get out function, so... <laughs> is, uh, is Angelina Jolie in this one? Does she have, a, like, a little pixie cut? No, but strangely, Matthew Broderick oh. is. Oh. What about Matthew Willard? <laughs> no, but, like, but so, as I said, it, it just came out on iOS, and it's out on... It's out on phone, it's out on uh, on iPad as well. I think it's, like five or six dollars i think it's a it's a it's a pretty fascinating little puzzle game that it's it's a bit like a like a weird puzzle roguelike version of number munchers that's kind of the vibe i get from it is like wow number munchers. number munchers all right well this week then uh jim is recommending 868 hack by michael bro and i am wrecking recommending me and the key three from barch Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Jim Staholsky and Kevin King. If you have any comments, questions, feedback, uh, you can leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash one more turn, or email us at one more turn podcast at gmail.com. Music, IED, is courtesy of Pixel Hate off his album And the Revolution. You can find more Pixel Hate music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint, which is the song you're listening to now, is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators off his album 2206. You can find more Breakbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what are we going to play next episode? Next episode is going to be Zone of the Enders. Great, we'll see you then. <laughs>